Welcome back to the program. To the extent that we are all the sum total of our wider experience and our private moments, imagine how that might be magnified amidst the terror, turmoil, and violence of the Middle East. A place where even the quiet moments of love, life, and even pain are amplified by events in the present and memories of the past. My guest, May Al-Nakib's stories and her collection, The Hidden Light of Objects, takes us into the lives of people into the crucible of life who hang on to extraordinary memories. May Al-Nakib was born in Kuwait. She holds a Ph.D. in English literature from Brown University and teaches post-colonial studies and comparative literature at Kuwait University. It is my pleasure to welcome May Al-Nakib here to talk about The Hidden Light of Objects. May, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Great to have you here. One of the things you must encounter in your overall conversations about this book and the conversations that you have here in the States is trying to get people to understand that beyond what they see on the news, beyond what they read every morning in the newspaper, that people are going about their lives in the Middle East and that they have complex lives and many of the same problems and emotions and issues that we certainly face here every day, but somehow changed and amplified by the environment in which they're living. That's really exactly right. Um, I mean, the the stories in The Hidden Light of Objects, um, they deal with a lot of events uh, in the Middle East that may be familiar to us from watching the evening news. So from the 90s, the invasion of Kuwait, uh, but also the civil war in Lebanon, um, the war in Iraq, the Palestinian-Israeli conflict, so all of these things are, you know, that they, they form a, not exactly a backdrop, but they're present in the stories. But what happens and what seemed to happen when I started writing these stories was, was that what was emphasized was the everyday, ordinary lives of the people who live in, that, in the region. And so, you know, the, what I wanted to kind of investigate, not really investigate, but what started to emerge in the stories as I was writing them is that while everyday people you know, the everyday experiences of people who live in this region that's often, you know, really fraught with um, these, you know, these large-scale political events, is that they, you know, people still continue to live their, the lives that they live, falling in love, dealing with things like postpartum depression, um, dealing with loss, the loss of family members, and so on. And, and then also the experience of young people who want to, um, who are ambitious and enthusiastic about life and just want to um, go on these grand adventures like young people everywhere and often do and try to, but then get almost overrun by a, a larger and wider political landscape that prevents them from doing the kinds of things that they want to do. So there's this tension in many of the stories between the wider um, public political landscape versus the smaller, more intimate uh, experiences of the people who live in the region. And I think each of the stories um, deals with uh, that tension in a different way. It seems that it must be even more difficult for the young people who are also torn between the politics of the situation and their desire and, and absorption of so much Western culture. That's really very true, and, and it's true in Kuwait and in the region today that, um, you know, it, the, the, their access to the internet and to social networking and to globalized culture and consumer culture, which is to a large extent Western, is something that 
uh, obviously affects them as it does everybody, uh, all young people all over the world. And so they have that experience which they enjoy and engage. Um, and on the other hand, you have a pull, a different kind of pull, um, perhaps more conservative, uh, more traditional that we're familiar with, um, you know, images that we see often on TV. And, and, and they, they are um, trying to kind of work through this dynamic. And it, it can go in, a, in different directions. And I think it's something that is, is it's, a, it's a dynamic that is, um, it's something young people are going to have to, or and are dealing with. And we'll, we'll see how, how it goes. It, on the one hand, it goes towards a certain extremism, sometimes in reaction to those global Forces. On the other hand, uh, on the on the other hand, it can also be a kind of it can push towards a more um, open, perhaps, uh, sensibility. So I think there is a, a back and forth and a push and pull between those two. I don't want to call them extremes, but perhaps uh, certain extremes. I think the other overlay to all of this, and you see it in some of the stories, is the sense of fragility of life and that so many people know people that have been lost as a result of political conflict or violence and the impact that that fragile nature of life has. I think that one of the things that fiction does so well is that it can allow us readers to connect in ways with everyday human life in places that seem so far removed from ourselves. And one of the things that we share is the experience of loss. And this can be loss because of, for, for large political reasons, war, economic catastrophe, and so on. And it can be loss on a seemingly smaller scale, but it never feels small, you know, the loss of a loved one. Um, and so I think that in expressing the loss that's caused by the events in the Middle East that we see on television that, again, feel far removed, um, but kind of scaling those down to make them personal allows people that may not be as familiar with the Middle East to connect with that experience through fiction um, in a way that's humanizing and relatable and can kind of cultivate an empathy, which I think is so important and something that I believe fiction can do very, very well. Talk a little bit about the way that fiction is received in the Middle East and whether or not it's appreciated in the ways that you're talking about. I, my, my stories, so the collection is, uh, has been quite well received in, in the Middle East uh, so far, I'm, I'm very happy to say. And uh, for precisely, I think, some of the reasons that, that I talked about, that right. it is presenting um, a more intimate and human Experience that often gets left out of the abstractions that we hear about on TV and in the media, and so I think that there's, you know, that that has been um, quite positively received. The other thing to keep in mind is that these stories were written in English. Um, my first language is English, and and so I wanted to write these. These I had to. In fact, I didn't have a choice because of uh, certain personal and, and historical reasons I, I write in, in English, um, and English my first language. But in any case, despite that, uh, readers have been really um, supportive of, of the kinds of things that I'm trying to say in, in the stories. Talk a little bit about the issue of memory, something else that you write about. 
and the collective memory of events that have happened and how they process that into everyday life. So memory is really important to me in, in, the, in the stories. And I, I think, in fact, I think of my stories as experiments with memory. So, you know, I was very interested in thinking about why is it that we remember what we do and how do the things that we remember um, inform our lives? Virginia Woolf called these moments of being. So I'm, I'm particularly interested in how these moments motivate writing how they motivate people, characters in the stories to narrate their lives in, in certain kinds of ways. Now, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not really concerned. I am concerned with the past, but it isn't just about the past. It's really about how we figure that past in relation to the present and, and potentially in relation to the future as well. How do we, um, rem you know, sometimes the things we remember seem incredibly incidental. We remember um, somebody's voice, we remember a, a kind of moment that seems trivial, and yet in, in retrospect, that moment comes to take on, a, has a certain resonance and significance. And so the stories in, in those stories for different characters, whether they're dealing with larger traumatic issues or even smaller things that in adulthood they remember from their childhood and that that moment mattered and they'd forgotten that it mattered, or a certain object that triggers a certain memory for them. And those are the kinds of complexities and, and uh, issues to do with memory that, that the stories are trying to unfold and, and uh, present. Is that memory even more important in a world that is constantly changing, a landscape that's changing, and in a part of the world where there is constant change? I think that is the case. And for me, when I, I turn to fiction, so as an academic, I deal with, uh, I write about cultural politics in the Middle East. But by, by 2006, 2007, it just didn't seem enough, it didn't seem sufficient. I felt like I needed to turn to fiction as a way to kind of engage and deal with a forgetting that, and an, a kind of amnesia about the place I grew up in, the Kuwait that I had grown up in, the Middle East I had grown up in, um, which seemed everywhere around me, it, it seemed to be forgotten and it seemed to be falling away. Um, this had to do for me in Kuwait in particular, the experience of post-1991, Kuwait changed dramatically, but also post-9-11, things changed dramatically in the region as well. And so be, to kind of counter this, what felt to me like a, a really one-dimensional, rigid presentation or image of the Middle East, both within the Middle East itself and then beyond the Middle East, I felt that fiction had the flexibility to engage and to kind of um, offer up images that were different than the ones that were being presented to us as definitive. Um, the Kuwait I grew up in was a much more cosmopolitan place. I think the Middle East in general was more that way, more open, more tolerant, more heterogeneous than the kind of images, again, that we were seeing on, on TV, especially post 9-11, about the Middle East, about um, you know, the Arab world and so on. And so it seems to me memory matters in that, in, in that uh, context, as you said, because things change so quickly. Um, it becomes important to kind of revisit things in the past that don't accord with the, pre you know, the presentation of, of the place that we're seeing uh, today. And just to remind ourselves that things were different and perhaps could be different, maybe even better again.
all of which seems to take or, or seems like it would take a tremendous amount of discipline to be able to appreciate those memories, to look forward on the other side, but also to be in the moment in living one's life. I think that's, I mean, you know, it, there's always the danger when you look back, especially when you're kind of lamenting something that you feel has been lost, which is in a sense what one of the things I was doing and I do, I do in some of the stories. Not if the danger is that you fall into a kind of a trap, the trap of nostalgia, which I think can be very counterproductive. When you slip into nostalgia, I think you're looking back, you're idealizing, and you're not necessarily present, as you said, and you're not thinking about the future and what it could be. So I think you have to kind of navigate and walk the tightrope between looking back, appreciating the things that you think might be beneficial in the present and towards the future, but also coming back and being in the present and engaging the things around you and, and, and you know, doing things with the, the elements that you have in the present towards, again, towards the future. I do think that it's, you know, you have to kind of maintain a balance between those things, between those, te- the, those temporal realities. How does faith and religion play a role in these stories and in everyday life in the world that we're talking about? I think, you know, faith to me is an incredibly private thing. Um, in the context of the Middle East today, it is perhaps, I would say, religion rather than faith is less private when it gets politicized uh, and turns into a very public thing. And I find that to be problematic. In the stories themselves, a number of the characters have faith. Um, in the last story, the character who is abducted uh, for 10 years and then is released, she has a quiet kind of faith that is not very useful to her in the circumstances that she experiences, you know, being taken as a POW in Iraq for 10 years. And she turns to, she kind of creates a, a different faith for herself. Um, through her objects, through the memory of her objects, objects that meant something to her, that were linked to her sense of family and sense of place. So I, I think faith is important to, to, to people in different ways. Um, and I think, it, again, I think it's a very private thing. And I think in the stories it comes across as a, a private thing, important to some, much less important to others. Talk about the process of, of writing fiction for you. This is, this is a new area for you, these stories, and I understand you're working on a novel now. Coming back to what we talked about earlier in terms of fiction being a way to really make these points, to really get into these aspects of life in the region. I think fiction, more than almost any other thing, is what allows you to step in as a reader and as a writer to step into lives and experiences that you would otherwise never have access to. I really think fiction does that almost better than any other form. And so I think for me as a writer, the experience of, and especially stepping out of the kind of academic writing that I also do, which is, which is very different, into um, the characters and the experiences that I was expressing through fiction allowed me to to connect in a very close and intimate and flexible way that felt very different, that is in fact very different than academic writing. Um, short stories are much more intense, perhaps in a way more unforgiving than the novel. I think 
you know, I'm working on this, the novel, a novel now, and the experience of writing the novel is I feel more forgiving, more open and ambiguous, and allows for more imperfection. And I like that experience. But again, it, it you know, you get to in fiction when you read it and when you write it, you get to inhabit the space and these characters um, and these experiences that are singular and and unique, and um, you get to you know, participate in lives that you would otherwise never get to participate in. And I think that's a, I think that's why we read. And it's certainly why, um, one of the key reasons why I, I write and have turned to fiction. May Al-Nakib. Her book is The Hidden Light of Objects. It's just out from Bloomsbury. May, I thank you so much for spending time with us today. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. We'll take a break and I'll be right back. <laughs> 